0: What do you boast in? Do you boast in your looks? Do you boast in your intellect, position, power, money? Well, according to Scripture, we are not to boast in our flesh. However, in the Scriptures, we do see Paul boasting in Christ. Let's find out what that looks like in our own lives. So turn to Galatians chapter 6, and let's get into it. What's up, my friends? Glad to be with you guys here on Stand Strong in the Word podcast, a podcast where we go through the Bible in chronological order. And so we, a few years ago, started in the book of Galatians, and then we went through the book of Acts, and then we covered James. And now, get this, today we are wrapping up Galatians chapter six. This is podcast 184. And yes, we are wrapping up the book of Galatians. I can't, recall when exactly we started the book of Galatians. I don't want to say it's been a year, but it's been quite a few months that we've been going through this amazing book of six chapters, and so we're going to be looking today at Galatians chapter 6, beginning in verse 11, all the way to the end of verse 18, and the title here is, Boast in the Cross of Christ. Now as always wherever you get your podcast I appreciate if you guys leave reviews you can go to standstrongministries.org sign up for our e-news to get updates biblical worldview content my videos my other podcasts that I do with Edify Podcast Network uh, that is in association with Christian Post and other platforms it's called Challenging Conversations where I bring on colleagues and friends and guests you know experts in different fields and 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 they they help us take a biblical uh, understanding in a biblical perspective and how to, in God's truth, speak the truth and love to people who don't have our point of view, who don't share our point of view or our religion or a particular interpretation, or they uh, hold to a controversial, more liberal bent uh, understanding of let's say sexuality or the scriptures or Jesus, whatever, or they're a Muslim uh, or they're nothing. They don't, they don't buy into any religion. Uh, or they're a secularist, whatever the case. And and that's a, just been a great time. So thank you guys for taking the time to listen to Stand Strong in the Word, where again, we just focus in on the scriptures verse by verse. And so we wanted to make another platform available to take people who are standing strong in God's Word, who want to grow in their faith, and learn how to tactfully, winsomely, respectfully, apologetically, uh, share their faith in the culture today. So take advantage of those resources at StandStrongMinistries.org and thank you guys for your prayers and keep your questions coming. You can email me at info at I do my best uh, every week and every month to try to respond to uh, the letters and the emails and the questions, whatever that comes in our way through social media and different things like that. So if I don't get to you guys in time, I do apologize ahead of time. Uh, just with my travel and producing a lot of uh, content, um, it sometimes, you know, especially when I get into writing mode, if I have a deadline, it's hard sometimes to be able to spend time because I, I'm not one of those guys who just responds, you know, flippantly. I, I want to really prayerfully walk through your email, your questions, especially if it comes... Um, to you guys addressing some personal matters in your life just recently I was reading an email that came in from a mother who was going through a lot of issues with their child and they read abandoned faith a book I'd written with a colleague friend of mine with focus on the family and her daughter was turning to drugs and her and her husband who are new in their faith uh, were struggling as to what to do next and they fell upon our material and it blessed them tremendously, which is awesome to hear. And then they were needing some advice. Um, and so I want to do my best to try to address and answer your questions. So info at standstrongministries.org. All right, so let's now dive into this last section here in Galatians chapter six. And I'm just going to jump right in and start reading this passage and see what the Lord has for us today. Notice here in verse 6, as Paul is concluding, and, and let me just pause and go back just a hair, just a bit, in verse 10. Notice what Paul said there. He said, so then, as we have opportunity. Now, remember, that was a key word, that word opportunity. The word denotes the proper uh, uh, way of planning to cultivate, uh, like planting crops. Remember, he's been dealing with agricultural terminology. You reap what you sow. And so this word opportunity applies to cultivation, planting crops, making sure that you're doing it within the proper season, right? So you get the proper results. And so Paul was stressing there that we as Christians, we need to seize the opportunity to sow into the life of other people. And that takes effort, that takes commitment. And notice he says, especially to those of the household of faith. So as believers in Christ, we need to be primarily Okay, that doesn't mean we neglect the other needs around us, but it starts in our home first, as you and I know, and, and it starts in, in our home churches, okay? That's so important. And so here in the end now, as Paul's wrapping up this open rebuke, he comes to them as a father, he comes to exhort them, he confronts the false doctrine of the, t- of the day, and now you see that Paul is going to end it uh, in a way that just really resonated with me, and I hope it does for you. So notice what he says. He says, See with what large letters I am writing to you with my own hand. It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised and only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. For even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised, that they may boast in your flesh. But far be it for me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. And then notice he says here in verse 15, for neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. For now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers. Amen. So here in this title, Boast in the Cross of Christ. Now, you and I know, according to Scripture in 1 Corinthians 129, and there's a few other passages, and of course, we see the teachings within the Word of God, that the flesh doesn't boast in God's presence. There is none God's equal. When you see a God-humbled Pharaoh who refused for his people to be freed and to go worship and offer sacrifices to his holy name, Uh, We saw that you can't change what you sow into. You can't change the results. And we're living in a culture today where people think that they can determine their gender. Now, remember, gender is a subjective term. Uh, uh, Sex, biologically, male or female, is what we see uh, anatomically within nature. That's reality. Yet people want to try to say that, yes, I was, quote-unquote, assigned a gender, my sex at birth, but I can over time determine what I choose to be and how I want to live. Now, we have free will, but just because you do what you feel is right to do doesn't make it morally right. And so we're living in a world today where so many people think that they determine their own truth. But the reality is, you guys, we merely discover God's truth in the world that he created and in this world, uh, we have fallen uh, a fallen nature. That's not how God intended it. God and God created male and female from the beginning in his image. He created them in his, in, not in their own kind, but in the image of, of their creator, God himself. So we bear the image of God and he made us perfect. And a, a perfect gift that he gave was free will. And sadly, they took a perfect gift, Adam and Eve, and they abused it. They distorted it. They perverted it. And so we've been dealing with that, obviously, ever since, born into sin. And so as Paul is addressing these bondage leaders and he is calling them out, they're trying to determine their own truth. They're, they're trying to throw Paul under the bus, and Paul's not going to have it. And so as he's wrapping things up, as he's confronted these things, and he's done it in love, and he's, done, and he's been very direct about it because he cares about the Galatians. He doesn't want to see them be led astray. That's a sign, you guys, of a spiritual leader. Someone who's willing to risk their reputation for the sake of the people that they are leading. A good leader does not lead people astray, right? When you get into an Uber car, when you take a plane, you want to arrive at your destination. You want to arrive safely. That's good service. And so Paul is obligated as the apostle at this time to lead his people according to God's word. And what's gonna happen as I'm sure it's happened to you and it's happened in my life and the people that I've ministered alongside of is that there's gonna be a perverted gospel. There's gonna be a message that's gonna take people off a track. And we saw uh, throughout the book of Galatians, uh, the Judaizers, which we refer to as bondage leaders, their attempt in, again, determining their own truth, is to try to undermine not just Paul's apostleship, his authority, but his message. And they were trying to take rank over him. And so as he's closing here, Paul, he, he he's he, he's closing this in, in with some common features, this letter. He ends by reiterating his warning to them not to turn to the law. Now, when he says I'm writing in these large letters, you know, mostly we see... And it will continue to cover you know, Paul's uh, epistles chronologically. And we will see that he had a secretary who was alongside of him, who wrote down uh, what the Holy Spirit had inspired him to say to the various churches um, as he, he w- you know, was covering his expansive apostolic ministries. You see this in Romans 16, verse 22. But there are a few occasions where Paul dictated the last words of his letter, like we see right here in Galatians 6, verse 11. We also see this in 1 Corinthians 16, verse 21, Colossians 4, 18, and also in 2 Thessalonians 3, verse 17. So it's likely that Paul's reference to him writing in large letters meant that he had poor eyesight. Remember, he mentions this in Galatians chapter 4, where the Galatians would have even plucked out their own eyes if they could to help the poor vision that Paul suffered with. Now, why did he suffer from poor vision? We don't necessarily know. Now, early on, and that was also, by the way, in verse, let me just go ahead and read that. In Galatians 4, verse 15, he says, you would have gouged out your own eyes and given them to me. So the, the main point is that Paul was demonstrating his affection for the Galatians by personally handwriting the closing portion of the letter, even uh, pointing out his difficulty to do that. But it meant so much to him. Now, that doesn't maybe resonate, something we can just, look past and move on. And I don't want to do that because again, what is it? It's like when you, especially nowadays, when you receive a handwritten note, um, I, I try to do that um, more often than I've done in the past uh, in writing handwritten notes to my donors, people who pray for the ministry, who support the ministry, who allow me, who generously give to allow me to preach the God's word, defend the faith, and, and write, you know, full time and produce podcasts like this and, and shows and and YouTube stuff and, and engage and debate people. I mean, they allow me that. And so it's one thing when you receive a text versus a handwritten note. And that's what's so special here, you guys, is that Paul made the effort to convey that after what he was expressing to them. And that speaks again to a, a solid, godly leader who wants to personally, you know, um, and affectionately touch the lives of people around them. And I want you to think about the people who do that, who go out of their way to minister to you, to speak to your love language, And, and not just in a compelling fashion, like, oh, they're very provocative and very charismatic. We oftentimes just get fixated on that one thing is that, oh, they're a good speaker, well, do they love well? Do they communicate that to you? That's what Paul was communicating. These little special touches, you guys, they go a long way. So let's not dismiss that or overlook that. And I know here on the podcast, we certainly don't want to, right? We want to treasure verse by verse what God's word speaks to us. And I pray that that's just a, just not just a side note, But something that is very simply demonstrated here that you and I can take and apply in our own lives because it can go a long way. So think about not only the people that minister in your life who may have these little special touches to speak to your soul, but how are you doing that in the lives of people around you? Notice verse 12 when he's talking about that they're wanting to show the stuff in the flesh and even force circumcision and only in order that they may be persecuted for the cross of Christ. So this is a little confusing, this phrase, where it says, it is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh. What is he referring to here? Now, it seems that Paul is, I can't be certain here, but based on the text and the wording here in Greek, it seems that Paul is alluding to a group of circumcised people who, who, um, who are pressuring, basically, the Jewish zealots to convert the Galatians. So think of it like a sales force. You know, they're writing them like you guys have to get more converts. And so these people are trying to have this good showing in the flesh. And so the more they were able to get people like the Galatians who came to Christ early on to be circumcised in conjunction to their faith, um, that they that's what they're they're fighting to do. Now, this this phrase, a good showing, it's possible that this phrase here is that the Judaizers um, more than likely were, were were driven by pride. And so they did everything that they could to impress people with their external piety. Remember, this is something that Jesus referenced that was very commonplace in his day, still certainly today, but he references in Matthew 6, 1 through 7 in the Sermon on the Mount. That's a big deal. Uh, it, this was a clear sign that they were only thinking about themselves. And so this term persecuted, the Judaizers were probably more than likely tolerant of the gospel if it was accompanied by circumcision. And so a lot of times people would give in so that they wouldn't be abused or called out. You know, they could be a part of a certain class so they can still, you know, live life like normal, if you will. Go on with their day, keep the business, you know, pumping, keep making the money. They wanted to avoid persecution. Don't we all want to avoid persecution? It's not like you wake up one day and say, I want to be persecuted. I want someone to beat me up because I'm a Christian. Now, many of these new converts were being circumcised and falling into this because, one, they were naive, they were ignorant, but they also wanted to avoid the public scrutiny. Think about today. There's a lot of people who are turning to some alternative views of Scripture And they're accepting what social media, the news platforms are saying about gender, sexuality, whatever the case may be, uh, you know, racial inequalities, even though those do exist. But they magnify them to the level where it produces more discrimination rather than trying to reduce discrimination, all for the sake of remaining in a respectful position that the masses endorse. That's compromise. And so certainly in the mixed, Paul is identifying there's a class of people. We don't know the specifics. He probably didn't even know the specifics himself, but people who were advancing this agenda because they didn't want to be persecuted. Those are cowards in the end, you guys. Now, notice again, keep the law. Paul calls out the hypocrisy of these Judaizers because remember, they're bragging about their effectiveness of their conversion rates. And a lot of religions do that today. Cults, you know, one that comes to mind is Mormonisms. They, that Mormons have bragged uh, by bringing in new converts that were formerly from the Protestant churches. Now I'm not going to say that these people are indwelt by the power of the Holy Spirit, that they were legitimate Christians and now they're claiming to be Mormons, but you're going to have branches of religions are going to brag about that because they're stealing, if you will, from the flock. And so there's no question that they're bragging about that effectiveness, the conversion rates of people being circumcised and still holding, quote unquote, to the gospel. And it's kind of like in your face to the Apostle Paul. And they're trying to make Christianity a sect of Judaism. So they wanted Christianity to remain as long as under the realm of Judaism. Now, obviously, Christianity was birthed out of Judaism because Christ came. who was a Messiah, a Jew who fulfilled the Jewish scriptures, and brought in the new covenant after his death, burial, and resurrection. But what they want to do is despite their, the, this rigorous teaching is they wanted all these people to observe the law, yet they themselves failed to fulfill it. This is something that Paul pointed on in Galatians chapter four. And we saw in Galatians chapter five, the difference between walking in the spirit. So you don't gratify the, 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 the desires of the flesh and those who think that by observing the law, that they're going to be perfect. And that in itself is boastfulness in the flesh. So Paul says, but far be it from me to boast except in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. So in contrast to the Judaizers, Paul, and this is how he ends the letter, he is reaffirming his devotion to Christ. And that is so important, you guys, because you say, look at this leader and see how they're living for Christ. Are they living the way that you see me living for Christ? Is it that legit? Because remember, for Paul, the world offered no real joy. There, there was no pool Uh, or pressure for him to abandon his position in Christ, his faith in Christ. And that's why he uses this term, crucified to me. This is a shocking statement. Remember, this goes back, because he's comparing his life in Christ to crucifixion. Go back to chapter two, verse 20. Or Paul stated, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by, the, by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. John the Apostle said this in chapter 2 of 1 John verses 15 through 17, he verbalized the perils of loving the world. So you can't be in the flesh and think you could be in the spirit. You can't love the world and say you love God. He says, do not love the world or the things in the world. This is John the Apostle. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God, notice, abides forever. My friends, that is the promise that we have. And so that's what Paul was, was, was pointing out was I live for Christ. They say, that they're fellow Christians, but do you genuinely, authentically, fervently and consistently see them loving Christ as we've demonstrated, Timothy and Silas and myself included? So he says here in verse 15, for neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. So in the end, he says, look, I've refuted the claims of legalism. I am not denying that the law is an evil thing. It's a good thing, but the law can't save you. It's not about that. It's not about performance. It's about it being a new creation. Remember, he will tell later the Corinthian church in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And furthermore, Paul was also alluding to the new creation. Catch this mentioned by Isaiah of the new heavens and the new earth when you look at chapter 65 of Isaiah. So it was not just the here and now of, ha- of being a new creation, you know, accepting Christ as your Lord and Savior and being forgiven of your sins. It's an anticipation of the culmination to come when God himself will make all things new again. So Paul says, and as for all who walk by this rule, peace, mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. So it's not following the the law, excuse me, that Paul is mentioning, but abiding in the grace of Jesus Christ. And I love how Paul, in closing, is referring to the Israel of God. He does this periodically because remember, part of his ministry was reaching his own kind, praying for the salvation of Israel. And we are called in Romans eleven twenty six. It says, and in this way, all Israel will be saved, as it is written the deliverer will come from Zion. He will banish ungodliness from Jacob. And this will be my covenant with them when I take away their sins. And he goes on to say that we are to pray for the salvation of Israel. We are to pray blessings over God's chosen people. Now we've been crafted in. He said that in the previous two chapters in chapter nine and 10 of Romans. And so we don't replace Israel. We've been crafted in. And so we pray for the salvation of the Jews and we pray for more salvation among the Gentiles. And then he says this from now on, let no one cause me trouble for I bear my body, the marks. That literally means the stigma of Jesus. So this word marks here denotes the branding placed or burned on a slave to signify they belonged to a certain master. So remember, when you go back, when G- when, when Paul was saying that I boast except in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he says, by which the world has been crucified to me. He's dead to the world. He's going to suffer for Christ. And when he says, I even bear the marks of Christ, he's saying, this is legit. You have people who are being circumcised, not because they believe it to to be made right, but that they believe that if they do it, that they're going to be in the company of man to please man. Go back to Galatians one. God God says through, G, through through Paul, you're not to please man. You're to please me. You're to please God, the scripture says. And so here Paul's like, I love Christ. We're to be a new creation. I'm not sold out to the world. I bear the marks of Christ. Remember in 2 Corinthians 11, 23 through 25, Paul details his various trials and persecutions for the sake of Christ. He talks about being a servant of Christ. And he says, I am a better one. I am, I'm talking like a madman with far greater labors, far more imprisonments, with countless beatings, and often near death. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews, the 40 lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea on frequent journeys in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship, through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, and cold and exposure. So here Paul is mentioned in Galatians 6 and will later mention, as I just read in 2 Corinthians 11, The markings that run deeper than taking off the foreskin of a man's genitals. That's how sold out he is for Christ. And that's why in the end, he tells the Galatians and he speaks to us today. And I even conclude this podcast with these words, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers. Amen. Paul's final words that you and I see demonstrated here is beautiful. He points to the absolute truth of the gospel and he ends with this liturgical amen as an indication that he wanted his letter to be read aloud in public worship setting. Isn't that awesome? It wasn't just, hey, write, read this letter privately. No, read this out loud because I believe it's gonna change you guys in the circumstances that you find yourself in. So my friends, I just pray that If you find yourself boasting in the flesh or boasting in the world, you're getting sucked up in the world uh, to avoid being labeled something, don't let the world cause you to to be silenced, to kind of allow them to hijack your faith, your relationship with Christ. Be bold. Remember, it takes courage facing the fear. And you can only, you and I can only do that by putting our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Now, if you've already done that, you're a child of God, but you are not fearless. Seek the Lord in the book of Galatians here. Go back and read it again and see how Paul graciously and boldly, without compromise, confronted this situation. And we know the story. They blew up in a, in a good sense. They shared their faith. And they weren't sucked in by these bondage leaders any longer. They are freed from that because Paul was an example to them. So I pray that you, my friends, listening to this podcast and studying the book of Galatians with me have been more encouraged than ever before that you can be that witness that Paul was to the Galatians. Love you guys. Thank you guys for listening. Until next time, keep standing strong, my friends. For more information on Jason Jimenez and Stand Strong Ministries, visit us at standstrongministries.org. Thank you for listening, and keep standing strong in the Word of God.